Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Passion drive and patience what brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive ebay motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers roof racks exhaust kits led headlights and more whether you're into speed power or style ebay motors has got you covered with over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die you'll always find exactly what you're looking for And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Years ago, the Mariners played in the old kingdom. Oh, back in the 1990s. (laughs) This was uh, in uh, the Pinella years. We loved that ballpark when we were kids. They used to play a song during the seventh inning stretch called Louie Louie. Now that was music. The 1993 Mariners, when it all began, call for tickets. So as you heard there, I was really into this world's largest baseball and where it came from and how it got made. Uh, Ma came back the next day with Richard. We immediately hit it off, having a few cocktails, talking baseball. I was like, all right, I got to get paid for this conversation. (laughs) Hit record. And uh, here we go. This is Richard Roeder. It's an all-star game. Who'd you bring down? Who'd you brought over here? I brought my brother, Richard Roeder, from Oak Park, Illinois. Just outside the west side of Chicago. White Sox fan. White Sox fan. White Sox fan. So you were telling me you built the, at one point, the biggest, world's largest baseball? Well, it's still there. It's in 1992 for the San Diego All-Star Game. I was working for a production and events company, and they were working with, uh, we were the design and building part for the Hyatt Hotel Corporation. They had a division called Regency Productions by Hyatt, and they did all of PGA, they did uh, Major League Baseball. They did NBA, and so, and so we did uh, that. The thing we did for Major League Baseball, San Diego, 1992. We built the world's largest baseball. It's a 12-foot diameter baseball. We built it for the one year for one off. I think we charge about fourteen thousand dollars. And 31 years later, I went in yesterday to the play ball park, and there it is. It's still there. Hall of Famers have signed it and everything. 
And so this is the ball that all, they have, like, Tino Martinez was standing in front of. Correct. Brandon. Hall of Famers all signed on it. Yep. Oh, wow. They wanted it all. The, the, the difficulty was, so it's a 12-foot diameter, but they wanted no seams in it. So we had it had to split apart the way a baseball splits apart. So we spent a good, like, two weeks just trying to do math to figure out how to, how to build the baseball with curved plywood underneath. We had to put padding on it. They wanted it to feel and look like a real baseball. Every stitch on it is a hand-covered stitch on this thing. So Damn. it was pretty crazy. There's one seam on top you can't see. Otherwise, the seams follow the baseball. That's crazy. Did you go over there and, like, flex and tell people that's your ball or what? I went When I went over there, I looked at it. I said to, I said to my sister, I said, hey, I built that thing, 1992 San Diego All-Star Game. And I did tell a couple of people, and the one guy standing next to it said, how much does it weigh? And I was like, I have no idea. 31 years ago, I couldn't tell you. So do they take this around all the time? They take it around. It splits into four pieces, and it's got a, a base, and it all locks together. Yeah. So did you know it was going to be here? Did, so they do this at every all They did it for one year, and they were battling us on the price. And that's why we built it for $14,000 in 1992. So 31 years later, I think they got their money's worth. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so. So you've been to a lot of all-star games? I've been to uh, my first all-star game was 1983 in Chicago. It's the White Sox. It was the 50th anniversary of the all-star uh, game because the first one was 1933 at Comiskey Park. And this was 83, also at Comiskey Park. Um, it wasn't the 50th All-Star Game, but it was the 50th anniversary of the All-Star Game. Because I think they missed one during World War II, and there were a couple years where they were doing double games. They tried that. Didn't work very well. So 83, I went to that game. Uh, Ron Kittle was Rookie of the Year that year. They had those ugly, the red, white, and blue uniforms that they still, the throwback the uniforms. Ones with are the still with the collars on them? Say it again. Didn't they have collars? Collars were in the 70s with uh, where they okay. tried shorts. They were wearing shorts for a couple of games, and that fell apart. Yeah, they did like they had a doubleheader. They came out in the first one wearing the shorts, and I think the players re rebelled and said, no way. How can you slide in shorts? I know, I know. So I was there in 83. I went to the, uh, I went 96. I went to the Philadelphia to the All-Star game. The other hat I'm wearing is 2002. I went there, Milwaukee, the only tie ball game in all-star game history. That was the game they went into the 10th inning and they'd used up all their pitchers. And in between, at the end of the 10th inning, managers, uh, uh, Bud Selig was the commissioner oh. and he was sitting off to the side because it was up in Milwaukee. I remember this. And they all, the managers, they're all doing this big conference. I was there with my son and I said, and I said it then, I said, something's up. I said, I don't think they have any pitchers left. And they ended up calling the game because there were no pitchers left. That, that, the that only tie in All-Star. the way they made that up the next year was, hey, the All-Star game, whoever wins it, the that league gets Has the home field, field advantage. The World Series. That was the, the makeup call of makeup calls. Uh, Ma, uh, so you were, we talked before, you didn't know that the Chicago White Sox were going to actually be the Seattle Mariners That's here. That's correct. I did but not know that story. Your brother knows the story. He knows it. You know the story. Well, and I, I, I kind of remember, and actually our other brother would be the one, either one of them are really the historians, but uh, yeah, I do know that it was Bill Beck, who originally was Cleveland Cavaliers, or uh, Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians, um, and if you remember, Bill Beck was the one that if you guys... Do you remember Eddie Guidel, the little person that he hired for one game, for one at-bat? I, I know this, the story. He, he did all kinds of crazy events, he right? Did, he was he's the one that started guy. creating promotions and events yeah. in baseball was Bill Beck with Cleveland, and he put together a group to buy the Chicago White Sox. 
so that they wouldn't leave Chicago. And 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 but they were going to be here. They were going to be the Seattle Mayors, what, 1975? And the other part of that was Finley, who owned the A's, right. wanted to become the Chicago White Sox. Logo, colors, all that shit. Right, and right. then Major League Baseball blocked it, kind of made a, a makeup for it to the city of Seattle because they filed. I mean, that's how the Mariners ended up being here from right. basically... Uh, major League Baseball trying to stay out of like a lawsuit, like a major, major lawsuit with the city of Seattle. Yep. That's I was exactly trying to it. remember. We went to. I went to two games at Six Stadium. One of them was the White Sox. Which one did we go to? I thought we were there for the White Sox, but oh, I well, truly maybe. can't remember. 1969. Yeah. I did go to the stadium, but then I was 11 years old, so uh, yeah. don't remember much about the game. But I know we, uh, we were there. Yeah. How many stadiums have you been to? Oh my gosh, uh, quite a few. I when I when I travel, I try to jump into different stadiums. But uh, I've done events in a few stadiums too, which is fun. One of them was the Humphrey Dome. I did get to see a ball game in there, but I actually did an event inside the Humphrey Dome. Where's that? Uh, Hubert H. Humphrey Dome, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where oh. the Twins played. Oh, now it's Target Target, Target Field. Field they're yeah, playing oh, you in mean the Metro Dome. The Metro Dome, okay, but it was the, the HHH right. Hubert H. Humphrey Metro Dome. We called it the Hump Dome. And that's what they called it up there. Were people humping in there? The hump dome. That's what it's did, called. Did, did, it was they. It was an air. It truly was a tent, and it was supported by air. So the event that we did was on the field. You could only bring one truck in at a time through airlocks. You had to bring a truck in, shut the door, open the front door, bring it in, shut that door, and the next truck came oh in. Because it was all air. When you try to go out the doors there, it was like... It was really hard to open because it was all it was, the thing was inflated by air air pressure. Yeah, when they imploded that, it had it was a totally different explosion or breakdown than than the kingdom. Than the kingdom because kingdom was different. all concrete. All right, one more. I tested the sound in the kingdom. Oh shit! I was going to high school in 1975, and they brought somehow some guy we knew. We got to sit around before the kingdom was open. We got to sit in different areas of the kingdom, and they went through like a sound check where they would say like, you know, um, can you hear me now? Like no, like mist, gist. They would say like similar sounding, you know, s's or f's or like t or p, and we had these cards and we had to mark what section we were in, and we had to mark what words we heard, and then after it was over, we all, we just got to choose wherever we were. When it was over, we all walked in and handed in our cars, because they were checking out how clear the sound system would be did at the any, kingdom. Did you guys have a little bit of, did they have any liberties with that? I mean, like, after a while, just to keep everybody going, did, did, did meaning somebody like, like, jizz. Right, right. Crap. Whiz. Balls. Jizz. Yes. Yeah. No, nope, didn't, they didn't do any of those, but yep. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm just so I'm still like thinking about that big ass baseball that you guys built. So again, what was the reason for the baseball again? It was just 92 San Diego. So we were trying to get contracts, and actually, what happened is I I did a lot of work with the NBA through the through through this Regency Productions. They were trying to get contracts to do. I was the director of operations, designer, and and created the NBA Jam Session, which is the all-star weekend fan festival, like Play Ball Park. Started in 1992 in Utah. Next year was at the Hump Dome. Then it was down in Phoenix. <laughs> Sorry, the Metrodome. <laughs> I'm calling it the Hump Dome now. <laughs> right, right. Hump. Dump. Yeah. Pump. Oh, sorry. I'm doing a, a little word test here. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, we would. Uh, uh, so we were trying to get in with Major League. We had NBA. We were trying to get in with Major League Baseball. 
I got to go to the game. I still have a whole bunch of you know memorabilia from it and everything. So what, that was at the old Jack Murphy so what Stadium. Have you, what have you built for the? Did you build any cool things like that for the NBA stuff? I haven't built. Well, because of that work, I then went and and on my own, I went and I sent out to every major league sports stadium. And that's how I got work with Philadelphia. I did interactive displays at Veteran Stadium. I did interactive displays at Kansas City, at Kaufman Stadium for the Royals. The things of like, they have like five baseballs. It's like a, a pitch pitch grip. It's like, how do you throw a curveball? And you take a baseball and you paint the fingers on it. You can walk up to it and like hold how you, you know, how you do it. There's like, a, it was a bunch of different interactive displays, just static displays. This is back in the 90s. This isn't like, you know, it wasn't that high tech. It was all static display stuff. But I did, I know I did, uh, I, I, I did, I did White Sox. I did uh, Kansas City. And I did, um, who, who else did I just say? Philadelphia. And there was one other. But then we also did, ba I did basketball. I did, I did the 76ers. I did, uh, and I did some hockey stuff too. For I did Bulls and the and the Blackhawks in Chicago. So, yeah. So I was doing a whole lot of sports interactive. Hey Richie, there's a couple guys here to see you. Hey, what can I do for you guys? Your name Zisk. Yeah, that's right. Who are you guys? We're uh, from Chicago. Yeah, I noticed your uh, white socks. Uh, what do you want? We understand you're pretty good with a bat. Yeah, I uh, do okay. How about maybe tonight you strike out a few times? You know, maybe uh, pop up. What do you say? Oh, I'm sorry, gentlemen. I couldn't possibly do that. I'm a mariner. So, you're a White Sox fan. Yeah, Who, who's like your favorite? Who's your favorite White Sox that's ever Oh, played probably, in? you know, I go back to, I mean, when I was a kid, and I, again, it really was 60s and 70s, and I got to say, like, Ken Berry, center field, Tommy McGraw at first base, Louis Aparicio, the shortstop. Aparicio. I mean, those are all the 60 those players. Those are great baseball names. They were, uh, they, yeah. you know, I like, I, those, those were the guys that I really grew up, and again, that were, you know, almost lifelong on the team. It's it's a little tougher these days, I, you know. Hey, it was fun to see Luis Roberts here, you know, yeah. uh, at the home run derby. Wish he would have gone a little further. But it's harder now. Yeah, and they just trade, you know, they trade Abreu last year to those terrible Houston Astros. Yeah, and he that, sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you traded him like, at the right time. Yeah, no kidding. But, I mean, you know, it's like there's like there's still some players. I Again, I followed it when they really, players stayed with the team, and you could really learn a team. There was another beauty of growing up in Chicago, and it wasn't just the White Sox, it was the Cubs. Yeah. So we could sit there and go to a White Sox game and a Cubs game. I mean, I had the opportunity to see Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Carl Yastrzemski, Frank Howard, you know, these like 60s and in the 70s, some of these both National League and American League players. And that's because you get to see two games in one day because uh, Wrigley Field didn't have lights. Correct. Right? Correct. For yep. till, what, 87? 88? Uh, 88, I believe. 88. 88. Mark, so you because go it was to supposed to be there. 8. I think it was supposed to be 8888 was supposed to be the uh, the first night game, and I believe it got rained out. Growing up in Chicago and being a White Sox fan, how is that opposed to being a Cubs fan? It's a it's it's a it's always a it's always a battle. I mean, I we we went to school on the west side. I grew up just outside Chicago, but we went to school on the west side of Chicago, which was a pretty heavy uh, still a Cubs Cubs group. So my best friends. My best friends were Cubs fans, and yeah, you know, there was, you always, you, you, we, you torture each other. Uh, you know, 
we appreciated the fact that we could go to National League, but hey, sorry, I am not a Cubs fan. You know, here, a good example. I was doing a show in Philadelphia, and they had the Maddox brothers were pitching against yep. each other. Cubs were in town. And the bet I had with the guy that was set, I, I was saying I've never worn a Cubs hat in my life. And he said if uh, if, if Greg Greg and Phil, no, Greg and uh, his brother, Anyway, if, if, if Cubs win, you you got to wear a Cubs hat. Cubs won. I had to wear a Cubs hat all day. Probably the worst day of my life. But what's a what's a better drinking ballpark, Wrigley Field or, or Comiskey? Oh man, Comiskey all the way. What? Okay, really? Come on, Wrigley Field is a bunch of yuppie Northsiders. You know, I mean, Comiskey is like we used to. Uh, imbibe on a lot more than alcohol up in the uh, stands in uh, back Comiskey back in the 70s and 80s. You'd go, we, we used to love it when there's 8,000 people in this park and you go up to the upper deck out in the right field or left field and you could uh, have your cigarettes and other smoking things. <laughs> and uh, no, we to Washington, come on. Yeah, yeah. Let's get, let's get. Anyway, it was. Limitations, you're okay. Yeah, yeah but that, I know back to that, that 70s and the, no, I really, uh, you know, Hey, come on. Comiskey Park is where Disco Demolition was That's in the 70s. That's what I was 70s. about to bring up. So you know, you want to talk you, about partying. Were you around for Disco Demolition? I was not at that ball game, thank God, but I was around at so the time. I knew all about listeners, it. Listeners that might not know, what, tell us about Disco Demolition. That, well, that was uh, Steve Dahl, Gary Meyer. I think it was the WLUP, The Loop. They were two pretty revolutionary. I think Dahl is still around. They were... They were, um, you know, early, like, shock jock kind of stuff, but they yeah. were regular rock and roll. And, and interestingly enough, Steve, Steve Dahl's group was the Coho Salmon Lips was his, like, groupies, his group. That's what they called him, which I loved. It's like he never salmon was lips. How'd they the get that? Coho How'd they get that Salmon Coho. Lips. I know. I don't know why. You can look that one up and figure it out. But, uh, no, it was crazy. Well, it was a doubleheader, and it was done in between the doubleheaders. And, and they, they ended up, the they couldn't game. play the second game. They tore the field up. It was uh, 25 cent beer night or 10 cent beer night. Oh it was, I, I, I believe it was. Well, the thing is, there were fans out. I mean, they were all, it was completely sold out, and they were also all outside the yeah. park. What they did is, and they all had disco records, and they not only did they blow them up and set the field on fire, but they were flying record, you know, doing like, uh, frisbee with records out of the stands During and stuff. The it was nuts. So ten ten okay. cent beer night. A lot of things went wrong. They say you, if you brought a disco record, you could get into the game for free. Yep. But when you looked at those records, not all of those records were disco right, records. Right, right, right. It was mostly just like soul, and uh, it was like good. Yeah, it was some good. It was some good music. Yeah, it was some good music. This is a bigger issue. Yep. It was a yeah, bigger yeah. issue. I, I believe too. It felt like it was like a. Um, like an attack on the it, racism it, and against LGBTQ. It absolutely was, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it was like homophobic, racist, like, yep. it was like anything that black people are listening to, bring it here and we're going to blow it up. Right. And like, black people and disco dancing yeah, exactly. in the clubs. It's yeah. like, so, and actually going back to Bill Beck, his son was the one who, who talked him into doing that promotion. And I can't remember his name, but Bill Vexon, who was taking over on the marketing, he's the one that did that promotion and very quickly got out of baseball and marketing, I believe. Yeah, it backfired on him hard, hardcore. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, the, the thing about the Chicago White Sox, you guys have a couple of like that and you have the Black Sox. You got some of the, <laughs> some of the worst bad things that, in baseball that have, yep. have ever happened. Yep. Well, and I think Cleveland, I think, and I don't know that it was Beck, but Cleveland did that same thing in the 70s of like a 10-cent beer night or something. Where that it just, went bad. Yeah, it went nuts. And they like, you know, had the same thing. I think they forfeited they the, the game yeah, and shut it down. Yeah, they had to bring in the riot squad yep. and, and yeah. everything. What was the equivalent of 10-cent beer night to 
be now with inflation? Five dollar beer night? <laughs> right. <laughs> Seven yeah. fifty. Yeah. Cashless. 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 <laughs> Credit cards only. Yeah, Cashless beer. Yeah. The World Series, where a pitch is not just a pitch, it's a World Series pitch. Where a hit is not just a hit, it's a World Series hit. A win is not just a win, it's a World Series win. Now you've got a chance to win a trip to the 1984 World Series by entering Major League Baseball's Grand Slam sweepstakes at all Major League ballparks and participating retailers. Baseball fever, catch it. The preceding message was furnished by Major League Baseball.